Well, morning, church. Good morning. Good to be outside. God's creation. You know, it's like I every see this field like every time, and every time I drive by this field, we live right down the street. I always just envision it just filled with people, right? Just being open, and we ended up doing that a couple about a month or two ago, just an event where we had over 250 people filled to this field, and so I'm super excited to do that this morning. Well, today, real quick, we're cooking food. You might be able to smell the hot dogs and some stuff going on. So just real quick, I wanted to talk about the very first sermon ever preached. The very first one. Oh, my notes. Thanks, <laughs> The very second sermon preached. The very. Thank you. I wanted. To, I even brought like a little weight, but I was like, I don't need the weight. I don't need any of that stuff. I remember the very first sermon that I preached. I was in tenth grade. To my youth group, we had about fifteen to twenty kids. And I was so excited. I prepared this message for about a month. And I sat, somebody gave me a book. It was looking at Psalm 23 through the eyes of a shepherd. And I remember I was going to preach on Psalm 23. It was going to be, I was so excited. And this book talked about how much sheep they actually, um, their well-being depends on how good their shepherd is. And just all of this, kind of this allegory that David does. And I was so excited to share this message. So I preached my heart out. It was probably, it was only about 17 minutes long. Nowadays, it's like I struggled getting this message down to about 15, 20 minutes. But in those days, everything I got was 17 minutes. And I preached, and I just talked about God's relationship with us and the sheep and how we are like that and how God takes care of us and everything. And when I got down, I was just, I felt like I had run a marathon, right? Very first time, so nervous. And I talked to my friends and I just kind of leaned over as they were ending the very last song. What's up, my love? Oh, look at you. Rock. <laughs> Look at that. Can you right page? On, Just keeps flying away. My page keeps flying away. Now I can drink my coffee. And I sat there and I just leaned over to my friend and said, Hey man, what, what was it about? He's like, Man, you know a lot about sheep. And I was like, Yeah. He's like, Well that's it. Like, what else? He was like, I don't know, man, I, I don't I don't know if I need to know that much about sheep. So I like I live in Southern California. And that was my very first feedback of my very first sermon that I ever got was, man, you seem to know a lot about sheep here. And after that, uh, even though I thought I did good, I was made fun of for a while as the guy who preached 17 minutes on sheep. I'm kind of thankful that, like, recording wasn't around. In those days, I had a tape player. I didn't record it um, just because, again, I had a feeling that I kind of missed the point about sheep. Well, I... uh, this sermon that was at, the first sermon that was ever preached um, was by Peter on the day of Pentecost. I think his sermon went a little bit over a little bit better than mine did, uh, considering the three thousand at the end of his sermon ended up giving their heart to Jesus. But that's what we're going to look at today. So I want to set the scene. They were actually outside in a situation a lot like this. They were just outside, and a crowd of thousands had gathered because they heard a violent wind, and all of a sudden, the hundred twenty believers started speaking in tongues and speaking in other languages. And people had gathered from all over the world. So you can imagine if you, if you had come from 1,500 miles away, hearing a language that only you spoke, being spoken by this small group of believers, how odd that would be. And they were acting in a very strange way. And the crowd actually thought that they were drunk at 9 in the morning. And Peter take, decides to utilize this moment where thousands are gathered going, what the heck's going on? And he preached this amazing message. This is a message that all of us, I think, even need to hear today. It was a message about how we need a Savior. 
about how no matter how hard we try to get to where we want to be, no matter how hard we try to bring change in the world, all of it is for nothing unless Christ is at the center. And um, if I can be a little bit vulnerable here too, as I was looking at this message, I just realized, you know, how much in the Bible you have the gospel message, which is the good news, right? And it's the message, every single book of the Bible speaks to our need as a savior. But as I was kind of reading this, and as I was kind of going on, sometimes I struggle with applying this message to my life. Because I'm like, well, I'm already a Christian, right? I'm a pastor. Like, I've spread the good news to others. And even as I was meditating on this passage and preaching it, part of me is like, well, is this gospel message just redundant for those of us who need to hear it? And I, as I began to think on that and meditate on that, I began to think of Brandon and Courtney. Uh, where are they at? Oh, they, there you go. I began to think of Brandon and Courtney. A couple of months ago, they got married. And you can imagine if I walked up to Brandon and was like, hey man, like, you got married a couple of months, what are some of the things that you guys are doing in your early relationship, right? How are you guys, what are you doing? You can imagine if he were to say, oh, my goal was from a kid is to get married, I'm already married. I'm good. There's nothing more I need to do at this point. Like, you'd realize how bad of a time he would be in, right, if he did that. And I think a lot of times, we, in our relationship with God, we can think of salvation as a binary state, right? I am saved or not saved. If I were to draw a line here in the middle of the field, right, I'm either here or here. But instead, I think salvation, as we go forward, instead of seen as like a, a binary state, one side or the other side, it should be viewed more like a road that we're on that just kind of goes on forever and we continue on in this message. And I just began to realize, it's like, wow, the entire concept of salvation is so much more than just a one-time decision. It's a continual process, a process that we need to go on and on and on. And I began to realize how much I need to get the good news as much as anyone else, and all of us need to. So as we move forward, I want to look at this very first sermon that Peter preached. And what he is doing here, he's reorienting everyone's belief about what they know about God and the Messiah. And I think all of us also need to reorient our own beliefs. I heard a phrase recently um, that I agree with. It says, hey, if you're a Christian, having the wrong belief won't send you to hell. But it will allow you to walk through hell. And I think a lot of times for us, we need to reorient our belief of God. We need to get a little bit of an adjustment to view this Savior and what it means for us to allow us to live in the fullness. So let me go ahead and read here this sermon that he begins, Acts 2, verses 15. Everyone thinks that they're drunk because they're acting crazy. And Peter says this. He says, These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Oh. Thank you. How did Peter do this without, like, a hay on little paper? I guess scrolls in those times wouldn't be as windy. Although there was a violent wind, so I don't know what he was doing. We'll just get rid of these. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So Peter is saying, hey, guys, what's happening right now is something that's supernatural occurrence that's going on. And you can imagine this 
area in Jerusalem is filled with thousands of people from around the world. They have come to worship Yahweh. And when Peter started this sermon on Joel 2, he is saying that God's promise has been fulfilled. And this would have tickled their ears. This would have been so exciting to see the supernatural wind, to see this amazing thing that's going on. And all of a sudden, they realize through this message that, hey, what's happened, what we've been waiting for, it's finally come to pass. And then Peter continues on in this message. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man who was accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. So right here, what we see Peter doing is a miracle. Because if you think about Peter, seven weeks before, Peter had turned his back on Jesus. He had rejected Jesus. He had denied him three times and had go, gone running for fear of what would happen to him. And we see him baptized with the Holy Spirit and he is so changed that we see him in this message saying, this man handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge that you put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Can you imagine? Like He's speaking to a crowd of thousands of people accusing them to putting to death the Savior and the Messiah. How far has he come in just a couple of weeks' time? I think that's encouragement for me because sometimes, you know, we struggle, seem to struggle with the same thing over and over again. And sometimes it's like, am I actually growing or changing? And we see here Peter is radically changed through an encounter with the Holy Spirit. So different in such a short amount of time. So he continues, verse 24, But God raised Jesus from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep his hold on him. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? You know, I don't... I've tried to put myself in the place of those who are hearing this message. They have been waiting thousands of years for this Messiah. Many of them who were at this moment at Pentecost were there, who had, they traveled there before, two months prior. They had worshipped Jesus as he came in on a donkey in Jerusalem. They were saying, save us. And that yes, less than a week later, they had turned their backs on him, and they had sent him to the cross. And in that moment, as they are hearing Peter's message, can you imagine how ashamed you would feel? Have you ever had a time where you've been so close to Jesus, and yet in such a short time you just turn your back on him? And in this moment, they're sitting there realizing that through their actions, there were many of those in those crowds, thousands of people in their crowd, and that represents all different types of people, people who were there at the time shouting for Jesus to be crucified. Many people maybe had seen him on the road, on the way to the cross. This phrase, I love, cut to the heart, it's an idiom that literally means that their hearts were stabbed. You ever had an encounter in your life where you just feel like someone took a big blade and stabbed your heart? In the moment 
of realizing that their own actions, that the person that they were waiting for, that they rejected, that in the moment of those words from Peter, it's as if somebody had stabbed their heart. You know, this is a message, as I begin to reflect on the good news and the message that resonated with me this week, that in, while I'm not a first century Jew, while I wasn't sitting there cheering to Jesus, cheering that Jesus should be crucified, I've resisted God in my own way. That I have, much like Peter did two months before, much like many of those Jews did two months before, they had turned their back on Jesus. They had turned their back on him and sent them to the cross. That everyone is complicit in this idea of sending Jesus to his death. And at that moment, they ask, what is it that we should do here? And, I, and Peter doesn't leave us hanging. He says, verse 38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love here that Peter is giving the same advice to those that crowd there that he himself took. Right, Seven weeks before, he repented. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It made me think of how many times, like us as the teaching team, right? When we're up here, how many times where I'm acting like I'm preaching to the crowd, but really I'm preaching to myself. Really, it's like, yeah. You know, and a lot of times whenever you guys say, man, that was such a powerful message that really, that was just great. Most of the time it's because that's a problem that I have. And so you're seeing my own heart and God working on me in a powerful way. Those are the times that I feel um, it's, it's this weird kind of paradox, this dichotomy. It's like on I, whenever you speak on issues that you don't feel qualified in, those are the times it's the most powerful. It's like God uses your weakness for his strength. It's amazing. And Peter himself shouldn't be the one to give this message because he himself rejected Jesus. And yet, he gave this message. Again, he knew the path. He said, repent, do what I have done. And in a short amount of time, you can participate in the same way that I'm participating in. And he ends with this, and this is my last point this morning. He ended with this verse in this sermon that really resonated with me. Have you ever, like, listening to a podcast or reading God's Word or a sermon, and there's kind of, like, one line that just really sticks with you in your head, you just can't get out of your mind? This is the one sentence. This is a huge, this is a, a large passage. I haven't even read all of it. It's, it's quick. But this one simple phrase has stuck with me this week. Verse 40, it says, With many other words, Peter warned the crowd, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. I don't know why, but that has stuck with me in my head all this week. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Peter is pleading with everyone in that group, do everything you can to remove yourself from this corrupt generation. I think maybe perhaps why it has resonated with me is because when I look around at the world, I just feel like everything is corrupt, right? I just feel like, man, this, you know, the whole like, world going to hell in a handbasket. I've been hearing that forever, and we always like to think we're super special living in the time, but I really feel like things are different now than they've ever been. Um, I'm sure they said the same thing 20 years ago and yeah. well, 200 years before that, 1,000 years before that. But it just feels so, and I just was like, Peter, what are you asking us to do? He's talking about 
what we are in this very field right here. He's talking about his church. That we need to form a different community outside from this corrupt generation. He's talking about everyone in these chairs. He's talking about living life so differently from everyone else. I looked at this uh, Greek word for corrupt, and the Greek word for corrupt is skolios, which means curved or bent, crooked. Has anyone ever heard the the term scoliosis before? Yeah. Yeah, that's where we get this term from. Scoliosis is a uh, disease of the spine where you bend over. So Peter, as he's pleading with them, he said, save yourselves from this crooked, this bent, this deformed generation. I can't think of a better way to describe when I look at the world, man, this is just so warped. This is just so crooked. And as I sit and think and reflect, I find myself asking the very same question that those thousands of Jews did 2,000 years, 1991 years ago. What now shall I do? Right? We live in this world, this, this bent, crooked, what is it that I need to do at this point? Peter, Peter's answer that he gave, I think, is the same exact answer for us, which is repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that through that asking and receiving the Holy Spirit, that is what allows us to be saved from this crooked world, this crooked generation. I think it means that us as a community need to form something that looks so different than the rest of the world. So different. As we look at Acts 2 next week, we see them forming this insane community. A community that if you were to look at today, would be like, eh, it's a little culty, right? It looks so different in Acts 2, this early church and what they were doing, but it was so different, but yet so powerful. And I just believe that the answer to the world's ills, to this curvature, the scoliosis of the world, is to for us to go inward and to build such a strong community that looks so much different than anything else the world has ever experienced. Have you guys ever been to a chiropractor before? Yes! Yes! Thanks, Vivi. Yes! Something I love about kids and teaching at Kids Church, because it always seems like they're not paying attention, but like, they always are like, they're right there. But I love going to the chiropractor, but the thing I don't love about it is that like, it feels like after about a week or two, I'm right back to where I started. Like, I need those constant adjustments over and over and over again. And I think for us, as we are going on in this world, this curved, bent world, we also need to be reminded of the good news, this message today, in order for us to get adjusted back. Because we're going to be pulled to go crooked and to go back into the world, right? And Peter is pleading with those as he's pleading with us today. Do everything you can to straighten yourselves out, to get away from this crooked, bent generation. And so that's what I want to do today for those who are hearing, and we even have our online services, hey, online people, right there. 
if you're listening to this message, and as you sit, you just realize, man, through my own actions, through my own turning away from the Lord, I realize that I have contributed into this system that has put Jesus on the cross. I want to take a moment and pray for you. I also want to take a moment for all of us who just feels like we need an adjustment. Anyone feel like they need a little bit of an adjustment? Anyone just resonate and you just are like, man, it's so easy to be bent and corrupted by this world. It's so easy. And we need those moments of adjustment back in line. Those moments of, God, I need your grace. We need to hear the gospel message just as much, if not more, than everyone else. Because God has a plan to save the world. We know his plan. His plan is us. It's the church. There is no plan B. It's you. It's you who are sitting here listening to this message. That We are the plan to create a community that is so different that people look at and they just become transformed and changed through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm going to go ahead and pray for all of us. Remember, we're going to just go ahead and stand up. I know we're comfortable. It's a lot harder to get out of a camp chair than a normal church chair. But I'm going to pray for us and then we'll start on our festivities. But if you are hearing this message for the first time and you feel like you want a Savior, just put your hands out wherever you're at. And I just pray that you would agree with this prayer. Lord, I pray for those who are hearing this for the very first time, this message. We see the power in this message that thousands of years ago, 3,000 people were added to the number of this day. Then any time we talk about your grace, your love and forgiveness, we are using live ammunition. And I pray for those who are hearing this for the very first time. If that's you, just put your hands out and receive a touch right now. I pray in the name of Jesus that this person, whoever it is, would be baptized in the Holy Spirit right now where they sit. That this person, that you would realize the power that comes with accepting this message. And for all of us who are here, who raised their hands, myself included, who need that adjustment, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to reorient our views to you. That you would help us. And a reminder from this passage that for those of us who come just bent every single week, I know a lot of times I'm waiting for church, I'm waiting for the time I can be with my community, be with my friends and family members here in order to get realigned. I pray for a realignment right now, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus for all of us that we would never move on so quickly from the message of the good news of the gospel that we would grow and change our mission statement is to advance god's kingdom in ourselves first i pray that each one of us that we would constantly be brought into alignment and i pray lord your will over each one of our lives your will is for healing and wholeness and i pray for healing and wholeness for us spiritually emotionally physically We just need you a whole bunch, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.